This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tech Girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by MediaTek. Hi and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Friday, May 12th, 2023, and I have the wonderful Finn Barmonian of MediaTek here for a big announcement hi finbar how are you hi mariam good to be with you again thank you um so you have a new flagship chip for us which is an improvement over the existing one let's jump right in tell us about the new mediatek dimensi 9200 plus sure so thanks mariam um earlier this week we um announced exactly the dimensity 9200 plus um so as the name implies and you know you've seen a couple of cycles of our flagship progress now. This is an upgrade on the Dimensity 9200 flagship 5G SoC that we right. announced late last year in, in November. And you can sort of think of it as you know an enhanced speed improved, performance improved version of the Dimensity 9200, as the name implies, right, with 9200 plus. Um, so basically, what you'll see is all of the CPU cores. So, you know, the X3 uh, ARM CPU, but also the big Cortex-A715s and the little Cortex-A510s, you know, all get a speed bump. We can go into the, the details later. Uh, and probably the biggest impact is we've also upped the graphics uh, speed and the graphics capability significantly. So the ARM Immortalis G715 GPU, that gets like 17%, uh, 17% uh, speed improvement. So, of course, you'll get quite a big improvement in gaming graphics performance. That's quite the jump, right? Yep, yeah. Um, so we're quite happy with what the, what that will do. And of course, you know, we know that you know gaming continues to be a really important use case for mobile, and particularly at the high end in the flagship space. So that's going to benefit all those users who like to squeeze the most out of their gaming and, and graphics performance. Wonderful. So better gaming performance, better overall performance. Are we sacrificing any efficiencies here? Or have you managed to crack that nut and give us just about the same amount of efficiency? I mean, I think we'll keep the same level of, of efficiency. Um, you know, when we launched the Dimensity 9200, you know, we, we launched it with the, the slogan, incredible performance, intelligent power, um, which right. there's a lot packed into those four words, uh, as you can imagine. But we've always taken the power performance balance very, very carefully in flagship. So yes, while we're pushing the frequencies, the CPUs, the GPUs frequencies, you know, at the very peak, there may be some higher power consumption, of course, for those peak use cases. But again, for most um, of the time, you know, the the the, the, the device is not going to be operating at those peak uh, speeds all the time. And we will course, continue yeah. to offer really good battery life, really good power efficiency, whether you're doing 5G, whether you're doing Wi-Fi, you know, all the other use cases, um, all those power advantages that were in the 9200 will, of course, continue. Right. So basically, you kind of expect the same baseline overall performance and battery life, but with a bit more peakability in terms of like for little heavier um, loads like gaming and, and other, you know, ISP and, and CPU and processing, which is always welcome. Yep. And so you said 17% improvement in graphics performance. What are we looking at in terms of CPU? Can you give us some clock speed changes? Sure. So the Cortex-X3 gets a 10% frequency boost. So that takes the frequency of that single um, Cortex-X3 up to 3.3 gigahertz. 
we've got three of the Cortex A715 big cores, and we bump those by about 10% as well, up to three gigahertz. So now you have like four cores in there capable of over three gigahertz performance. And at the same time, we're also boosting the peak performance of the little cores. Uh, That's a little bit more, about 11%, but that boosts those four Cortex A510s uh, up to two gigahertz. So you've got quite a a capable processing machine with the the eight cores in the one plus three plus four configuration that we have in the uh, Dimensity 9200 plus. Are we seeing any clock speed improvements on the graphics or what is the magic you're using for the GPU? Yeah, so that's a clock speed boost as well. So that's okay. what the 17% is. So the 17% is a, is a frequency boost or a clock boost. Got it. Of course, when you translate all of these numbers into actual benchmark performance, so if you're looking at Geekbench single core or multi-core right. on the CPU, or you're looking at some of the graphics um, benchmarks, they may not translate one for one. So there's always some other trade-off with memory bandwidth, as you know, in the system. But generally, I'd say you're going to see at least a 10% performance boost for CPU, GPU kind of benchmark numbers, maybe a little more on the graphics. Right. And that's obviously what's going to... I mean, anybody who runs benchmarks on chips will know this. Uh, You can't really rely on that to tell you exact clock speed changes. But at the same time, it's, you know, uh, if you're playing a game for a while and you want to get that extra peak, still maintain decent sustained performance and then still get your battery life in check when you're just using the phone regular. Uh, you know, that's kind of like the what the magic I'm talking about part, partly as well, right? And exactly. that's one of the areas that you guys have so much expertise in. Um, exactly. Are we seeing any changes to the ISP, the DSP, the, uh, the way the memory is handled? I believe it's still... D- DDR uh, 5X, right? And we still have UFS 4.0 storage support here. All all that's the same. All that's the same. And then you get the same advantages on the modem. And I think one of the other um, big uh, changes we made, if you recall, when we launched the Dimensity 9200, and which continues here, is we're adding support for Wi-Fi 7 capable external Wi-Fi combo. And it's more than just having the ability built in either to enable now or in the future Wi-Fi 7 capability with the platform. But I think what's also significant in this case is it's a brand new ground up Wi-Fi combo chip from from our side using six nanometer technology. So we're seeing, you know, relative to the previous generation, the 9000 family, we're seeing huge gains in terms of Wi-Fi use cases and Wi-Fi power consumption. So you'll get all the benefits. Right, efficiency, yeah. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, we're starting to see some phones with Wi-Fi 7, so that's not too surprising. But, you know, it's the same as when LTE was first launched and 5G was first launched. The initial efficiencies weren't the best. And as we now iterate to what is Gen 2 or 3 of Wi-Fi 7 chipsets, we're obviously going to see some efficiencies. Exactly. I presume all the ray tracing features are still there, of course, since it's basically an evolution of the 9200. Yep. Uh, so you get all that delightful, good stuff that you mentioned to us back in November. Yep. This is exciting. Do you have any, you know, without revealing all the beans, any um, things we should be looking forward to in terms of partners for some devices with this and what the time frame might be? The the time frame is imminent, so you'll you know we've had a good run I think with our flagship launches so far, both with the nine thousand, the Dimensity nine thousand plus, and then as you've seen more recently with Vivo, particularly with the X ninety, the X ninety Pro, and then mm-hmm. you know Oppo with the Find 
device with the Dimensity 9200 as well. So we've started to build some momentum, um, not just in the flagship space, but with high-end tablets, with foldables and, and flip-type devices from our customers. But you're going to see uh, customers launching uh, Dimensity 9200 Plus devices in the next few weeks here. So Oh, wow. Okay, great. Very, very soon. That's even better. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm also excited because there are some leaks of devices coming with the 8200 and that is, you know, something we haven't seen much of yet. So um, I'm, I think it's going to be an exciting uh, summer in terms of MediaTek-equipped flagships coming around. Exactly. Anything changed? You said the 5G modem is the same, right? Yep. Same yep. as the Dimensity 9200. So it's got four carrier aggregation on the sub-6. It also has the ability to support millimeter wave, although, you know, we've talked about millimeter wave before and the the opportunity and the deployments there are still quite limited. But I think for the most part, it's the sub-6 5G capabilities, the release 16 core carriers that are important. You know, it's interesting because if you look at the available devices out there, even in North America, we're seeing a reduction of millimeter wave equipped uh, phones because, you know, of course, with the inflation prices are going up. And at least on the unlocked devices side, a lot of them are omitting millimeter wave to reach a price point. Yep. And only, you know, Apple and Samsung are still really kind of like, and Google are pushing like, at least at the high end, the must have millimeter wave at all costs kind of uh, angle. I mean, I've, it's never been for me an issue, but it's really interesting to see that you know, this kind of push is slowing down because, you know, with only Verizon here in the U.S. really offering it, it doesn't necessarily make sense, especially for those of us who buy our devices, you know, full price unlocked. And especially, I think, with all of the, you know, C-band and mid-band spectrum that's also come online with the carriers. Yeah, that's evolved, you know, significantly. That's made a big difference, I think, as well. To the point where even Verizon calls their mid-band you know, ultra wideband now. So you never really know if you're on millimeter wave or not when you use a Verizon phone anymore. Um, crazy world we live in. Crazy world indeed. This chip is still manufactured by TSMC, I presume, right? Yep, it's TSMC. It's TSMC's uh, second generation four nanometer technology. So again, it's it's on the bleeding edge of the process technology. So that's what's bringing the power and the performance and, you know, allowing us to push the CPU cores to crazy speeds, like 3.3 gigahertz, right? Is that different than the previous 9200 in terms no, of... Same, no, it's the same, same process. They're able to refine it, right? And get better exactly. yields and et cetera. So you're able to bin, I guess, to some extent to get these better chips, right? Yeah, it's like like everything, you know, when you're launching these products, first of all, you're, you know, you've got a new product, new IP from ARM, so it's a new GPU core, a new CPU core. You're also on the leading edge process technology from TSMC. You're not exactly sure where the yields may come out in the final run of things. But now we've had six or seven months of production. We understand much more uh, precisely where the product is performing. So that's what allows us to kind of dial in this, you know, enhanced uh, set of parameters around the speeds and feeds um, and kind of dial that in and know that we can produce that in quantity as well to supply our customers right. that are going to be launching with the 9200 plus. And of course, you know, economies of scale means you can keep the price reasonable. So, you know, it might not be too much of a premium for manufacturers to to pay to get the better chip if they choose to. Exactly. So that's another benefit, I presume. Yep. You know, I'm just excited to see that you're 
kind of continuing to to hit new releases. I also noticed last week there was an announcement that you are uh, now have a Dimensity Seven Zero Five Zero, which yep. apparently is a re, uh, revamped Ten uh, Eighty chip. Correct. So yeah, we we hope that's not going to cause too much confusion. But as we've <laughs> talked before, we're we're in the process of basically migrating all of our part numbers to a new four-digit right. tiered system. So it four tiers, sense. four digits, right? So you'll have the 9,000 that we've been talking about series for the flagship. You know, you mentioned the 8,200. That's part of our premium line underneath that. We launched the 7,200. And we felt the time was right to sort of just, you know, bring everything up to the new numbering scheme. So what we've done basically is looked at the products that are more in the entry, mainstream, mid-tier kind of segments, and looked at the ones that are going to survive and continue to be launched with new devices for the coming year or more. We've added some upgraded features. So there's some new software features. We've brought some you know, enhanced hyper engine gaming technologies or some other software features onto the platforms. And we're launching them with those new part numbers so that everything is now fitting into the 6,000, 7,000, 8,000 or 9,000 series. And while there may be a little bit of confusion in the near term, <laughs> um, we we hope that in the longer term, it's going to be a lot easier for consumers and customers to kind of figure out, okay, 6,000 mainstream entry, 7,000, you know, high-end, mid-tier above that, premium and flagship are the four tiers we'll be launching. You know, I think it makes perfect sense. That's what my, my theory was during the podcast last week. Yeah. When I mentioned it at the end with Dean and I was like, you know, I think they're just as part of their branding strategy, but I'm going to have Finbar on next week. So let so, me find out. <laughs> <laughs> but you were, you know us too well, Miriam. You can, you, you know, can predict our moves at this point. No, but I figured I would ask, uh, get it from you. Right. Because it yeah. was like, you know, this kind of just fell on, not even in my inbox. I actually got it through some, some article that I found somewhere. Yeah. So it's really, I mean, what we're what we're doing really is allowing customers to continue to take advantage of the investment they've made in those platforms, layer in some new software features, and then bring the numbering scheme in line. And we just decided to do it all at once now just to make it easy and sort of make a hard switch. So as we go forward, everything will be in one of those four number, four tier system. And I also think it's going to help in North America. You know, you, we're seeing more and more Dimensity-equipped phones. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people kind of still think of, you know, somehow MediaTek as kind of a lower-end brand. And mm -hmm. I think having those, those 7,000, 6,000, 8,000, 9,000 chips come out, you know, is what people are kind of hoping, at least for me, who knows what your lineup is uh, to see, you know, when, when Moto did the edge last year mm -hmm. with the 1080, you know, I understood what it was about, but I think yeah. a lot of my readers, when I reviewed the phone were like, I don't understand. Like, it doesn't sound like the chipset is that, you know, exciting. And I'm like, no, no, it's, it's solid. You know, don't let the, the branding confuse you. This is the, one of the latest chips. It's the first with millimeter wave, you know? And so I think you're kind of, preempting all this by renaming this chip making that's, it just easy for everyone you know that's the hope so yeah so yeah so anything else you wanted to add about the 9200 plus nope i think um we've covered most of the key points as i said it's really like a you know cpu gpu bump um you yeah. know 10 percent on the computing sort of 17 percent on the graphics and gaming as we as we talked about you know so it's going to push the performance bounds you know an, another bit and you know add a little bit more excitement to the space. And, you know, later in the year, we'll have more news on the next flagship, you know, because we keep pushing this, this, this envelope forward. 
I'm excited to hear from you that it's coming in the next few weeks, you know, yeah. because, you know, you've had strong partnerships, you know, with gaming phone manufacturers, and obviously mm -hmm. this is ripe for that. So I'm hoping that's what we'll see. And I'm thank you again for being on the show and telling us all about the 9200 plus and clarifying the 7050 as well. Thanks so much, Finbar. Oh, it was a pleasure, Mariam. Thank you. And now that we know everything about the Dimensity 9200 Plus, I've got Nick Gray on the show to talk about Google I.O. Hi, Nick. How's it going? I am doing excellent. It was a pleasure seeing you this week in California. Indeed. It was lovely to see you. We hung out. We even got Indian pizza with a bunch of other folks. It was a lot of fun. So, I.O. And we're not going to get too much into the announcements related to Android and AI, there's so much to talk about. We could have a entire show about that, right? So I kind of want to talk to you more about the the devices. And, you know, let's talk about the one that you have right now that I'm still waiting for or deciding whether I want to spend money on, rather. It's the Pixel 7a. So you just went out and got one, right? I just went out and bought it off of Amazon after a failed attempt yesterday to going to Best Buy. T-Mobile and Verizon. <laughs> oh my God. In the end, I ended up going to Amazon and buying this off of Amazon. They said it would be delivered this morning. It came by 11 a.m. They got me a $50 Amazon gift card along with it. So wow. $4.99 Amazon gift card. But yeah, there's a couple good deals uh, with this phone right now. If you buy it uh, from Google and if you're a Google One subscriber, you get a discount. So with my level, I would have gotten a $50 discount, but they're also throwing in the Pixel Buds A with them. So you get free Pixel Buds if you buy it from the Google store. Um, Best Buy is also throwing in a $50 Best Buy gift card as well. But I really, what I want is the Coral and I want the Coral with that special bundled case that you can only get from Google, right? Correct. Yeah. But let's talk about this phone. I mean, it's a Pixel 7, right? I mean, basically. Yeah, it's essentially a Pixel 7. Uh, display isn't quite as good. The bezels More around bezels, the display yeah. is, you know what? They're larger. It's perfectly fine. Honestly, it makes it a little bit more usable because you can actually reach in and not be worried about, you know, is the side of my hand touching the screen? The phone feels incredible in the hand. For, I for a $500 device, like if you compare this to a, this feels better than the Galaxy S23 does as far as the fit and finish with the metal body. You mean even that the S23 or you talk about the A54? No, the S23. Holy crap. Okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've handled as as it at IO, finish. so I agree with you, but I'm like, I, I wasn't sure if you just slipped and said, no, you meant no, to no. Say I, I, I mean, Samsung's $800 phone. So this, this feels right. better than a Samsung $800 phone. And as far as performance go, yes, the Tensor G2 isn't going to compete with the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2, you know, not even on the same playing field. But, it's but essentially wait a, a second, year behind pause for a second. We're talking about a $500 phone and you're starting to compare it to a flagship. This oh, is completely. exactly what we're talking about with this yeah. phone. This is what makes this phone so killer, right? Like the only compromises I can can see personally right now yeah you're right there's more bezel my i don't mind that it's the unevenness at the bottom the chin you really have a bit of more of a chin and it's almost at the edge of what i consider acceptable but and the plastic instead of glass in the back i don't even notice that i don't even care what blows my mind is that for 50 dollars more which some people are going to argue is a problem because they were wanting to stay in that really affordable price point and 50 dollars can be 50 dollars for some folks but for $50 more, you get wireless charging and you get 90 hertz display. 
which brings it to Pixel 7 level, right? Mm -hmm. and, and to me, this is like where, you know, Marquez concluded in his video that he would still buy the Pixel 7 because he feels like for $100 more, you're getting, you know, a slightly better phone. And I'm like, it's not worth it. It's totally not worth it. Yeah, the price difference between $500 and $600, you know, it, yes, it's only $100, but you have to consider people who are, buying mid-range devices most of them are buying mid-range devices because those are the phones they can afford and right. everyone always you know you read reviews and they say oh this phone here is only a hundred dollars more spend your money there but you have to remember a lot of people are stretching their budget to buy something yeah. for five hundred dollars you know they're stretching their budget to get the best thing that they can and going from five hundred dollars to six hundred dollars that is twenty percent more money like, yes, it's, it's only a lot. $100, it's, it's a lot. 20% more. And the difference, the delta between them is non-existent almost. Like, there is no reason why you would actually want the 7 over this besides, you know, status. Like, it doesn't have the A and at the end of the name. you won't even notice But it's either, not like, even status because, you know, Pixel devices aren't a status symbol, right? No, it's not just that. It's that if it's... Uh, I could barely tell them apart when I had them in mm -hmm. hand. When I was taking photos, I was like, oh, wait, is this, which one is it? Which one's in my hand? Like, it's that level of, like, the way you can tell, by the way, is that the Pixel 7 is slightly taller. That's basically it. And bigger yeah. screen, of course. Less well, bezels. and though there is a $50 price increase over last year's device, you know, it would have been great if it was still $450. I think that's the real sweet spot for the A series. But the rear camera also got an upgrade this time around because the the one on the Pixel 6a from last year was the same one that Google's been using since the right. Pixel 3 or the Pixel 2. Like they've been using that one for so long. This isn't the same sensor that they're using on the Pixel 7. It's no. not quite as large, but it is Correct. close, uh, which means I'm... I'm ready to go out this afternoon and put this phone to the test. And Didn't you take photos take at I.O. already? I did take photos at I.O. I haven't had time to look them over. That was just a day and a half ago and, you know, spent the night on an airplane overnight. I know, no, I'm just, I'm just wondering if you had a chance to just even look at them. I know no, you didn't publish anything. I, I got them on a folder on my laptop and haven't even opened the folder yet. So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm going to be doing some pix pixel peeping. But uh, as you know, I do all of my camera tests and comparisons, so I'm going to have quite a few coming up within the next week or so. So if you guys want to check those out, feel, feel free to hit the YouTube channel. Pixel peeping. Pixel peeping. Yeah, it's a... Oh, you got it? Yeah, double, it's good. Double entendre hit with this yeah, one. You did, you did very good there. Um, so to me, what stands out here is, you know, I wish, you know, it's... it's Okay. Part of the problem that I have, what stands out is the, is the value. But what, what the problem I have is that this value... Yes, it's still really good, but the price is going up. It's the same as what we saw with OnePlus back in the day, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's like where, and now we have a flagship in our hands. This is a bona fide, like if you compare to what Samsung, Moto, even OnePlus are delivering, you look at the 10T last year and, and you're like, yeah, this is, they are delivering a flagship with a 7A. There is no more difference really. And that's kind of making me ask some questions like, okay, can we see a Pixel line that's now cheaper again? Like, are they going to make another, you know, phone that's 399 or whatever that's somehow decontented? I don't know if they can do that. If I don't know. A point like, in doing that. I, I think there's actually room 
I mean, Samsung clearly shows that there's room in the market for a whole plethora of low-end to mid-range devices. You know, while we talk about the S-series all the time, it's really the A-series for Samsung that moves the needle as far as, you know, market saturation. Right. You know, the A54 sells more than the Galaxy S23, then the A30 A30 series, then the A20 and the teens as well. Like They have this complete lineup and they're essentially like, you want to spend $50 less? Here's another one. You want to spend $50 less than that? There's another one. And people buy them up. I mean, those are the phones people walk into a service provider for and say, I have no money. What can I walk out the door with for free today? And these right. are the phones that they, they, you know, they pitch them. Oh, it's only going to be $5 a month for your smartphone payment plan. <laughs> but, you know, with this phone, as you're mentioning, creeping up in price, does this leave a gap for, hey, maybe there's another $350 phone that we need because you remember the original Pixel 3a and that's what I'm asking, came right? at, at $350. It, and that was so amazing. That's mm-hmm. why like, I'm asking that question. And the other question, I don't have an answer. This is just more like kind of like, what do you think, right? And then the other thing, the other question I'm asking myself is what's going to happen to the Pixel 8? Like, is it going to go yeah, up in price? It has to go up will. in price. I think it will. They can't release a Pixel 8 uh, coming out in, you know, three three and a half months or so at six hundred dollars even though like i really still want a pixel f8 for six hundred dollars it's at least going to go up fifty dollars based off of this phone but likely go up a hundred and be a seven hundred dollar phone and if we still get the pro at nine hundred then you get you know two hundred dollar differences between each of the devices which makes them feel a little bit more staggered and even across the board right no i think that's actually a good point and honestly i think that's kind of where we're going so i have an answer to that question but i feel like you know this phone is killer like here's the thing folks you know for me wireless charging is important having a good camera with ois is important having a high refresh rate display is important having a metal frame is important and I can, you know, the plastic back, you know, ideally would be glass, but it's always in the case for me anyway, so it doesn't matter. So here's the thing. This is the phone I could live with. This phone right there could replace my 7 Pro and I'd be 100% happy. I would miss the telephoto, yes, but it's only because, do, you want, do I want to spend, what is it, $400 more? Was it $300 more? What is it, the difference between the 7 Pro and the 7A? Uh, I mean, it's 900, right? Four, it's it's yeah, 400, right? Do I want to spend almost double just for the telephoto? Is, are you going to say, well, there's more than that. There's a bigger screen. There's 120 hertz, LTPO, whatever. Look, the main camera sensor is a big difference though. There like, is even a big though, difference, but look, the results I think are going to speak. I've seen some photos already that others have taken and I'm like, this is better than 6A, not as good as seven, mm-hmm. but 64 megapixels. With OIS, with phase detect, multi-pixel autofocus, and it's going to let you, you know, bin down, like it automatically bins down to 16, but it also means that you're going to get that super res zoom. And with 64 megapixels, you get a little more room to play with here, right? Yeah. And one thing to note too, the selfie camera has now been upgraded as well. And now you get 4K video from the selfie camera, 4K30 out of the selfie camera. You know, half the Chinese flagships we get our hands on don't have 4K video on the front. All the Chinese flagships besides the Honor, the new Honor 50. There's a couple right there. Uh, yeah. And 
Samsung's been doing it on even their A series. The A50 series yeah. have been having 4K video from their selfie cameras for, I think, two years now. Uh, so it's nice to see on this front. I mean, when I'm doing my camera comparisons, that's one of the things I always note, especially with flagship tier devices, because it's critical. It is critical. And the way smartphones are used these days, everybody is doing content creation. Everyone is going on vacation and recording videos with their selfie camera and be like, look at me, I'm in, you know, I'm in Italy and look at the thing behind me. And they're left with 1080p video. One reminder to people, go into your phone settings and change the video resolution because all of these devices are set to 1080p by default. You're never going to record 4K yeah. video on your phones unless you actually go in and make the settings change. So please <laughs> do that. The world will thank you later. You'll thank yourself in 10 years when you have high resolution Not video. just that, but if you're editing it anyway, you can get a little bit, you can zoom in a little bit and not lose too much. Um, so what's the ultra wide? Is it still 12 megapixels or is it another sensor? It, it is still 12 megapixels for the ultra wide as well. Yeah. And so like, it's, it's good. I mean, it's not like it's a bad phone or any, by any stretch of the imagination. The question is, is it, do you buy this or a cheap flagship phone? And this is considered a this is budget, a cheap flagship but like this, phone. But the with the name, it's considered a budget mid range device. Like it's in that five hundred dollar category. And if you look at the competition, everything else, like its direct competitor, is the Galaxy A fifty four, and this is substantially better than exactly. the Galaxy A. And usually, you know how much we like the A series. Like we're oh, and I love oh, this is the A fifty four is a good phone. Like there's no question there. It is a good phone. It performs well. It has really good right. cameras. Really good battery life. I'm sure the battery life on the A fifty four is going to be better than this. I've only you know had this out of the box for two hours now. I'll, it's going to take a while to know what battery life truly is. But looking at some of the reviews that came out already, said it's not bad. But it's for mid-range mid devices, typically get chip. a little bit more. Yeah, it's exactly. the Tensor chip, right? You know what to right. expect with a Tensor chip. So um, let's switch gears to the Pixel Fold because we have to. Um, and folks, you know, just, just look out there. Wait for my thoughts when I get my hands on one. Wait for Nick's review, especially the camera stuff. My gut feeling is that we're going to see slightly lower low-light performance because the sensor is a little smaller. But that's pretty much the only difference. And it probably won't be noticeable unless you're like in extreme scenarios. Um, Pixel Fold, what was your take? I finally, we finally bought, both handled it. Um, I love it. I want it so bad. That's, that's basically the take. I don't care about the price because I'm not going to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the price was $1,799. Yeah, $1,800 basically. Pretty much matching what Samsung is doing with its Fold devices. It's, I don't know, like... I, I like the form factor better than what Samsung is doing. Oh, yeah. More, more of this notebook style. Um, it's like the compact. Oppo Find N2 and the yes. Find N before that. Correct. Yeah. So it's shorter and stubbier when it's, you know, you're using the outside display, but you open it up and I think it's a more usable canvas on the, on the inside rather. It's ha also a than bigger having, screen on the inside. Yeah. Slightly bigger screen. Um, yeah, I, I think the form factor is good. I think the the cameras are going to be really good as well. You're essentially getting the Pixel 7 Pro camera setup on this device. So you have the 5X zoom camera. You have that main sensor. They, they said they had to completely rebuild the camera module on the inside just because the phone is thinner. So they had to rearrange some things in order to get 
that camera you know situated on the inside of the phone without ha having it protrude incredibly from the back of the device and they did a good job it's actually not a f i think it actually sticks out less than the pixel 7 pro's camera module does which is pretty impressive 100 percent. and you know what the other thing stood out for me is that you there are some minor differences so the the, the 50 megapixel main sensor still has ois i believe it's a slightly smaller sensor or at least the optics have been rearranged to get the z depth managed mm -hmm. better so there could be some issues around there but i really don't anticipate any problems the other thing that's interesting to me is that it's a 10.8 megapixel ultra wide and 5x telephoto with ois the telephoto by the way which is impressive but folded lens that thin but I think the 10.8 is not the actual sensor size. I think it's getting cropped because the optics are so tight that's the best they could do. Uh, it's probably a 12 megapixel sensor on both of some kind. I don't know of any 10.8 megapixel sensor out there, in, even from Samsung. And that's probably where they would source it, Samsung or Sony. At least Sony doesn't have one. So I'm not sure what's going on with that. <laughs> it's yeah, very we, interesting. Yeah, we'd have to get the exact sensor specs to see what sensor it is. Uh, but honestly, I, I'm not worried. Google's, I don't care. The, the, with the ultra-wide, though, the only issue comes down to Google has, over the last couple of years, not made their ultra-wides quite as wide. They've been like You're a right. 0 0.7 versus a 0 0.6 or a 0 0.5. Um, and that that's a little if it's 0 0.7 again and i i should have taken a look uh when i was yeah, handling I the device i probably have a video where i where i hit the ultra wide and have that but i don't know like unless yeah that would be my only disappointment with that because when i want an ultra wide i really want it wide um but it's it's one of those things where you know at that point we're nitpicking i think the issue for me really comes down to i'm still not sold on the foldable form factor I still want to use my devices one-handed um, and, you know, traveling this week, going to California and coming back. But that's my point. You're back. using that front display one-handed. It's so actually perfect for that. That's yeah, that but, passport form factor, right? Is is kind of like the the perfect, that's why I like the Oppo Fine N so much. Yeah. So to that point of, yes, you get some extra screen real estate when you open it up. I think for me, the only thing I would really enjoy that for is for watching video on my smartphone, which I don't do that often. Like right. uh, when I'm browsing the web, I actually like the form factor of a smartphone and how you know, you're reading a site and the text is there. I don't want to open it up and you know, read side to side like I you know, kind of have to do on a laptop or anything like that. I think the idea is to put two apps side by side. And that's why I prefer the flip phones because I'm like you. I'm like, I really like the, the, the use case and form factor mm -hmm. of a regular phone. I just want yep. it to be a little more compact. Correct. But if I'm willing to explore this book fold concept now that there's a pixel because of the software, because of the camera, because of the AI features, because of all the good stuff from Google, right? Well, and so that being said, like while I'm not sold on foldables, I think this, the fact that Google is doing this makes it incredibly important for app developers to update their apps to work in situations like this, because we all know that there are apps that don't support multi-window functionality still, even on a lot of uh, first-party apps from OEMs, like a lot of times the settings app 
isn't mult doesn't do multi window support. I or, know it's like so or annoying. The clock app that does doesn't have multi window support. Um, and a lot of devices I've been doing like smartphone charging tests with some of the devices and I have to download the Google clock app from the play store in order to do multi window so I can show the battery screen and the clock at the same time. It's ridiculous. Uh, but this I think is going to show OEMs to that they need to update their apps, but also third party app developers to support this, but not only this, because the multi app or the multi window aspect is twofold it works with the foldable devices but then also translates into tablet devices exactly because the tablet ecosystem like as bad as it is on foldable devices the tablet ecosystem on android is even worse than that which is incredible i just don't understand it but this (laughs) this will fix both of them at the same time agreed um a few other technical things of note um on the cameras the uh, the fact that it's 10.8 megapixels on the ultrawide and on the telephoto means that the telephoto is obviously going to be slightly inferior because it doesn't have that 48 megapixel mm-hmm. uh, main sensor that does binning and low light, etc. The other difference is no autofocus on the ultrawide, meaning no macro. No macro. And I'm okay with that. It's a good compromise to make. Because generally, I punch in 2x anyway when I do macro photography. Anytime the camera is like, I'm going to switch to auto macro mode right now. And I, I turn it the off. Button, yeah, like, yeah. Turn it off. Get that crap yeah. out of here. Like, yes, like if you really want to get really close to something, sure. But <laughs> 99.9% of the time, that's not a feature I or anybody else wants. I basically always do the thing where I punch in in the zoom to get a macro shot, right? Um, the other thing is autofocus on the front camera on the front display. So that 9.6 megapixel mm-hmm. selfie camera on the actual, when it's folded shot, that has autofocus, which I thought is like, really? Like that phone is six millimeter thin, okay? And you managed to put, uh, you went nuts enough to put a punch hole, hole punch, whatever, you know, front camera with autofocus. The inside camera that's on the large bezel, and we should talk about that, is eight megapixels and doesn't have autofocus and seems like basically just a video conferencing Mm -hmm. cam at this point. That bezel, interesting, because this reminds me of the Microsoft Duo, the hinge system. Like, it's a very different, that's why the bezel exists because the hinges are not designed like they are on a fold or even an Oppo or any of the, you know, folding phones we've seen that are book style. It's uh, got those little metal hinges, basically. It looks like a laptop, looks like a Lenovo laptop to me. You know, the ones that have those, those fat band Mm -hmm. type metal hinge bits in them. So what do you think of that? It, it does bother me, the bezels, but at the same time, I get it now. I understand why they did it. You know what? It, uh, as with the Pixel 7a, the bezels don't bother me. Um, everyone's got their design choices that they're making over time, and it will get better over time as well as they work into Gen 2 and Gen 3. I, I think we forget that the first foldable that we saw from Samsung, they had to stop production of it because yep. it broke, right? <laughs> And so if, if any other OEM doesn't have to stop production of their device like two weeks into a phone being released so that they completely redesign it, I think we're on a good track. Uh, and we're nitpicking at this point. 
And that's a good place to be. I mean, we, we, there, every device can always be better. Um, there is some complaints about this hinge and how it doesn't allow the phone to, like Samsung's phones, they like snap open uh, when you get past a certain threshold of, of opening the device and they lay, they lay flat essentially um, op in the open position. This one here, you kind of have to flex it a little bit right at the end if you want it to be completely flat. So some people were complaining about that uh, this week at IO and I see it could be an issue for some, but you know, it's one of those things where like, when do you put it down flat like that, that it's mattering? Like, plus here, the camera bump is going to make it uneven anyway. Right. Yeah. I don't see the problem with that. Um, but at the same time, I like the fact that you can adjust the hinge to any angle. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that it felt really solid. I love the hand feel and the form factor of it shut. I love the fact that it's only one millimeter or a bit less than one millimeter thicker overall than the thinnest ever made fold book style, which is the Xiaomi Mi Mix Fold 2. And that's kind of a pretty impressive first try for, for Google. Now, you know, I mean, there's always the negatives are going to be, this is a Tensor G2, so that means poorer battery performance that means we're going to get poor 5g radio performance some overheating issues that i'm experiencing on all my pixels uh with tensor chips it's going to be a pain compared to snapdragon for sure or mediatek but at the same time you know i'm willing to compromise on that because of the software because of the user experience because i finally have a folding phone with all the pixel goodness right and then the other thing to keep in mind is charging speeds are mm, i think it's 21 watt although i've read 30 watt on something so i'm not quite sure all i know is that it's almost 5,000 milliamp hours spread between two super thin batteries because six millimeter thin is the thing opened and we're getting wireless charging a very slow 7.5 watt which is the same by the way as a 7a which doesn't allow reverse wireless charging i don't think so that's another thing to to be aware of does the 7a have reverse wireless charging can you look in the settings i can check here give me a second how often do you charge your earbuds with your phone i don't think i do do you Mm, only when my earbuds are completely dead and i'm like sitting on an airplane I did charge Theo's Z Flip 3 with my uh, Pixel 7 Pro once <laughs> because they were running out of juice. We battery balanced each other. It was kind of cool. I'm not seeing reverse wireless charging in the settings. Yeah, no. it's not there. I figured that. So there, there are some things like that that the Pixel Fold is going to, you know, uh, kind of make compromise. But honestly, overall, I think for a first try, you know, pricing aside, tensor aside, and, you know, maybe a few niggles here and there. It's really impressive. I really love what I saw. And I, you know, I don't think I'm going to spend that kind of money. So I hope I can get a device somehow. I, my hopes are low because, you know, I doubt Team Pixel is going to see too many of those. I'm on Team Pixel and I don't see Google PR giving me the time of day. But you never know. You never know. So stay tuned, right? <laughs> Yeah, stay tuned for from what we're seeing. It should be landing in early June. So yeah. it should be coming up within the next three to four weeks. So let's talk about that tablet real quick. Uh, okay, so preface for me, I love the OnePlus pad. And 
I, it was the first Android tablet where I felt like, okay, I can actually use this no, for more than just like, you know, watching Netflix and YouTube. I can actually be productive because of the keyboard folio and a relatively decent experience there. I can, you know, if I was somebody who did a lot of note taking and jotting and drawing, I could see some potential there with the stylo, the pencil. And I would uh, also appreciate the gaming on this because it's got a pretty decent MediaTek Dimensity 9000 in there. But that's about it. Like, I'm still not convinced, as you said earlier, that Android and tablets are going to be a thing. So now they come out with this tablet, which is even bigger, right? I don't know how big is the screen on that thing. It looks bigger than the OnePlus one, doesn't it? It's a 10.95 inch. So it's display. about the same height. Yeah, it's, it's about, about the same. same, right? Yeah. The bezels, though, are significant on this one here. That's probably why it feels bigger. Yeah. So the, 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 the party trick here is that it comes with a dock for free. Like it's come at $4.99 with the dock. And it's got a Tensor, of course, chip in there, G2. So you're getting a flagship chip like the, you know, OnePlus, which is why I'm kind of comparing it. And uh, the, the tablet docks onto this thing and you get extra speakers for better sound. So now you can use it as like a, a Nest Home, right? Basically. And then you undock it. It's always charged. You can use it. It's got multi-user like every Android device really, but they are really making a point about it. So hopefully more people in your family will use this thing by selecting their profile. And that's kind of it. There's no accessories really other than a case with a, with a stand. And there's no keyboard. There's no, I, I don't, I don't get it. There's no keyboard, but it does support uh, USI 2.0 stylus pens. So there Ooh. is, there is pen support. Uh, they just don't have one. So you can they buy any. They didn't even mention that. No, did they didn't they? mention it at all. The only reason I found that out was because I dug through the spec sheet on the device to see, you know, what else is there that they didn't talk about. Uh, so it does have pen support. So if you want pen support, and I think, honestly, I think the pen support's more important than a keyboard, uh, but they don't have a first party pen, but you can buy your own. And, but then like Logitech and uh, of course, all the other know, accessory makers are going to make I just find it weird that they wouldn't at least have a first party, you know, something nice that wasn't too expensive. Well, that being said, I think the price of the case with the stand is $79. That's what they told me when we were there. And I was like, so nah. if you guys are making a case for $79, if they made a keyboard, it would be $250. <laughs> and I don't want, I don't like I, for $250, I can find something better than that. Um, but yeah, the, the, the case with the built-in stand, which for those who know that if you haven't seen it, the, the stand is like this elongated ring along the back that is metal and can prop up the the tablet in a variety of different angles uh, you can put it on one side one edge or the other uh, but then when it folds down it actually can still dock onto the dock the ring goes around the dock connection uh, so you don't have to remove the the case with the stand before you put it onto the dock yeah that's actually a pretty clever design but honestly that case yeah forget it i'm i'm not i'm not in i think the the the, the base thing the the dock it comes with it, I think is a really cool, clever thing. I think this is definitely a smart thing because, you know, you leave your tablet on your coffee table. Next thing you know, you need to charge it. Uh, <laughs> that happened to me. I left my OnePlus pad here in San Francisco. Then I flew to Vancouver, forgot it. Uh, came back and of course the battery was dead because it's like been weeks. Um, but, you know, this is always charged. It's nice, ready to go. So if you're working or watching YouTube or whatever it might be, 
Um, but I still don't see the, like, $499 is a good price. You're getting a premium tablet. You're getting a, you know, high-spec device. But really, would you buy that? I'm not convinced I would. I would actually buy this over the Fold. Just because wow. okay. We, Controversial take. We use Google Smart Displays throughout the house. Uh, and we do have the random tablet here and there. And the, my main complaint with all these tablets is I use it once or twice a week and every time i pick it up to use it it is dead so if i have a smart display that is my tablet as well and i can just continue using it uh whenever i want just pull it off the dock um yeah the price is high like it would have been better if it was 399 instead of 499 but i think the value that you get with how powerful this tablet is you know it is the the g2 chipset um, it does have eight gigabytes yeah, no, of RAM. It's a, it's a properly high-end tablet, 100%. It's a high-end tablet. I mean, yes, there are more powerful tablets. Samsung's got some really nice ones. Lenovo's coming out with some high-end ones as well. And as you mentioned, the OnePlus tablet is really good. Uh, but you will be able to do gaming on this, like high-end gaming on this tablet. You will be able to actually take good photos on a tablet because it's using Google's computational photography. Like even if right. the camera sensor is the old one that we got on the pixel 2 it's still going right. to take far better pictures than any other tablet that's on the market i mean the one on the OnePlus ad was just bad yeah um, of course it was and I so mean, like it's I, I don't know like this is this is a great device for you know you have it on your bedside and you know you walk around with tablet you, you know, take room to room or uh, I'm, I'm hoping they give they give you the option to buy additional docks so that you oh, can yeah, that would be have, cool. have a dock in the kitchen, have a dock in the living room, uh, and then, you know, just slap the tablet on it, you know, depending on the room that you're in. Uh, but yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know, like a lot of people were kind of hating on the tablet and out of these devices, that's the one that honestly excites me the most just because really? it gives me an excuse to actually have a good tablet in my house rather than all the crappy ones that I've been using. All right. Well, that's fair. Um, on that note, I want to switch topics to some news, some new devices were announced outside of Google. So the first one we got was the Xperia 1 Mark V, and you have one right there. Nice. So that came out. What are your thoughts? Uh, it is a really good phone. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a flagship tier device. It's a Sony device that's costing $1,400. So comparably it's really close to uh a galaxy s23 ultra as far as the specs go i think sony's still one of the only ones that has a 4k display even though it's the super tall aspect ratio yeah um it's it's one of those things where they're like what are what are all the technology features we can throw at this device they do this every in? year that's what i love about them they have like micro sd they have a headphone jack they just have everything and to me, the big difference here between this and the Mark IV is that we finally have a larger uh, pixel count in the main sensor, correct? Uh, so we do have a larger pixel count in the main sensor. Uh, it is a 52 megapixel sensor. That's an effective 48 megapixel sensor. So the sensor aspect ratio is a little uh, taller uh, when held in landscape mode, uh, up and down. Uh, and they're using that for OIS for video. Okay, so electronic stabilization. Yeah, uh, well, they're 
electronic image stabilization, but also... Um, right, both. They have both, both, right. So that it gives them more wiggle room to actually focus that in. Um, but then everything... Well, that one there is pixel binned to 12 megapixels 100% of the time. There is no 48 megapixel mode. Right, on so it's camera. kind of in, like so, deep in the hardware permanently somewhere. pixel binned yeah uh, so all all three cameras on the back are 12 megapixels effectively uh, as is the selfie camera on the front uh, and but this does have the periscope camera again with the, the variable, variable zoom telephoto yeah. from 3.5 to 5.2 so anything in between there you can you can say i want 4.2 and that is going to be an optical telephoto rather than a digital crop on that. So the zoom lens in there moves back and forth between uh, those two aspects and gives you exactly what you want, which is really nice. No, that's always been kind of their thing. I mean, the second time now, but the one before that was two positions. Um, and now it's variable. And I honestly, I love what I saw there last year. I've just been waiting to see what they would do with a larger pixel count sensor. Obviously, you're not, you're not be able to access all those pixels mm -hmm. yourself. But I think it'll be interesting to see what they can do because that's the only area that they were, you know, at least on paper kind of seemingly behind. I don't think technically they were behind because they were doing things with that 12 megapixel sensor that were in setting, like the eye autofocus, like what, 30 mm -hmm. times per second or something. I'm sure all that stuff still stays, right? All of that still stays. They really haven't done any improvements on that. We were on the pre-brief call with them and you know, typically they talk about that for like 30 minutes and they're like, oh yeah, <laughs> that feature is there. It, it might have gotten a little bit better, but they really didn't touch on it much, which means, you know, there's no huge or noticeable improvements across the board. But what is noticeable this time around, and they talked about this on their pre-brief of, hey, you know that thing where we thought the people who bought this phone were, you know, professionals, the semi-pro camera enthusiasts that have mm -hmm. a Sony Alpha camera, and those people want to edit their photos after the fact. So we're not going to do computational photography. Well, that was a mistake oh, on our good. previous generation. They generations. figured it out. So they said, this time around, we are improving computational photography. And they said every image is stacked between 2 and 16 frames, depending on where it's shot, the lighting conditions. And I took this phone out last night. I actually published my first uh, camera test with this phone early this morning. If you want to check that out on YouTube, I'll put it but, in the show notes, folks. But it is significantly better if you're just snapping a photo and taking it and sharing it significantly better than what we got on previous generations, especially in low light. And according to their numbers, low light performance has a 2x improvement over the previous generation. I still need to do side by side comparisons. Uh, with, you know, a Pixel and, you know, the Galaxy S23 Ultra and the iPhones, because those are the main main ones that, you know, we all know and yeah. love as far as photos go. But I, I don't think it's going to be as good, but it's going to be within the conversation of those devices, which in previous generations, it simply was wasn't. Was never the case. Yeah. And exactly. that's not to say they took bad photos. It was just, you have to take the photo and then you have to go and edit the photo in order to make, you know, make the colors pop, make the, give it better dynamic range and better contrast. They just shied away from giving you a finished product in that photo, just like, you know, professional cameras kind of do these days still. You know, it, it will give you all the data you need to produce an incredible photo. It's just you have to go do it after the fact. 
Yeah, so I'm actually really excited about this. I'm going to request a review in it, especially now that we've discussed it on the podcast. It should really include me. But um, look, I'm sure Jennifer will hook me up. I'm excited about the Sony phones. Every year, I love that they have everything. And I love that the camera system is, you know, for better or for worse, like it's this real photography approach right but now that they have computational photography which i felt was the only thing missing i feel like this might be the ultimate phone in some ways yeah i mean it is really good um as i mentioned it does have that high resolution display performance is incredible on the device uh it does look pretty similar to the previous generation but there are some subtle differences that i absolutely love like uh, what the, the metal frame there is ridged on the metal frame so there's like six or seven ridged lines on the metal frame that give Ooh. you a nice solid grip uh, i'm gonna scratch it right here in the microphone so you can hear it <laughs> you know this reminds me of the xperia pro i yes it does very very similar because the pro i had the ridged edge i think that one only had like three or four so this has more they're a little bit more subtle but then they are using gorilla glass victus on the back but they have a micro dot pattern on the back of that to give you grip as well. So if you can hear this. We're, we're doing SMR here. Yeah, it, it, feels, it feels like vinyl, like a record on the back. It just has that subtle texture grip, you, your fingers slide over. And you can kind of see smudges and fingerprints a little, but not like any other device where you see them immediately. Uh, it, it makes that a lot cleaner on the back. and. Yeah, just textures all over this phone, which I love. Okay, so that's a big difference. Because last year, if I remember properly, the sides were actually, like you couldn't see antenna bands. So I thought the sides were polycarbonate, which was a departure from previous years where they've had metal frame. Um, now, it's very possible there was a metal frame that they just covered it in a resin. But this year, it's back to metal frame with texture. And uh, also, Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 is one of the big differences, obviously, because it's a new year. Mm -hmm. But to me, this phone, very, very attractive, very interested. So hopefully, I can get one. <laughs> and also, for those of you who don't know, uh, it does have an SD card slot uh, that you can with the SIM card that you can just pull out without even needing a SIM eject tool. And it still has a 3.5 millimeter headphone yeah. jack. One of the only phones. Um, I actually did my unboxing yesterday and there is literally nothing in the box. It doesn't come with a cable and it doesn't come with a charger either. Wow. Yeah. Like, so yeah. If $14.99, you don't get anything. You get zero. Like, and the, the packaging is not only plastic free, it's fully compostable. Hmm. So I, I'm tempted to throw it in my backyard in my compost pile to see, you know, how many weeks it takes for it to disappear. <laughs> you should totally do a video on that. All right, let's move on to some other stuff that's happening. There's a couple of other phones that have been released this week that are, well, less important, but I feel like interesting because, you know, Chinese phones and rest of world phones that things that we can't get in North America are always kind of my jam. So Poco F5 series is out, and then the other one is a Techno Camon 20 series. Let's start with the Poco. Have you gotten one of these? I have one. Yes, I have, I have the Poco F5 and the Pro. Both of them? Ooh. Both of them on my desk, yes. So you see, this is where Nick, like, I'm totally not prepared. My phone is like somewhere in a drawer, and Nick is going to totally get us the phone. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> of the two, I actually think the Poco F5 is the better looking phone. Uh, they're both polycarbonate. Sure the back. Uh, this one here is the F5, and it is a white and blue micro textured. Oh, I like see it. Yeah, gems yeah. and sparkles in there. Um, whereas the Poco F5 Pro is kind of boring looking, white or black, and it's it it looks. They tried to give it like a carbon fiber look or something like. That. It's just boring and generic. I have uh, the this white one here. One, it has a lot more character. Yeah. And so, you know, what's interesting to me about these, what stuck out to me about this phone was like the, the specs for the money. Like, you know, Poco's always been good at this, but like they're really pushing it this year. Mm -hmm. So like the F5 Pro, okay, before we start specs, it's 449 and has an early bird or 429. Now these are global prices, I believe. And get this, you get a 1440p, you know, quad HD display at 120 hertz, AMOLED, Right. Um, you get 1,400 nits. You get a Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1, 12 gigs of RAM, and storage varies, but up to 512. You get a triple camera, 64 megapixel with OIS as the main sensor, 8 megapixel ultra-wide, 2 megapixel sticker cam macro crap, but 5160 milliamp hour battery with 67 watt charging, and, oh my God, on a Poco, 30 watt wireless charging. Yeah, that's Stereo unheard of. speakers. Like, I mean, this thing for 449 this is giving, I mean, you know, in a different alternate universe where software maybe doesn't matter to you as much, this, this, this gives the, the Pixel 7a a run for its money. Yeah, I mean, so this likely will only be available in a couple crossover markets with the Pixel 7a, but it's definitely going to be in a lot of crossover markets with Samsung's A-series devices, uh, specifically the A54. And for, the, for what you're getting on this device, I think Samsung's photography processing is going to be a lot better than what Poco's is. But as far as the other specs go, the battery size, the charging speeds, um, everything else that you mentioned, uh, up to 12 gigabytes of RAM and that the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen, Gen 1, so much more powerful than what the Galaxy A54 is going to be offering. And so you're going to have options with that, you know, 400 to $500 mid-range device. Uh, if you're looking for something that's not a Samsung, this is definitely one to check out. It's the 1440 display and the wireless charging that's really unexpected at this price point OIS we've seen at this price point and it's welcome and i think you know xiaomi's uh, camera pipeline is actually pretty good it's you know maybe not quite as good as samsung's at this price point uh although you know at the higher end i think they beat samsung with the xiaomi 13 ultra and pro etc you get a lot of that goodness though uh, it mm -hmm. does trickle down, which I think is worthwhile. The F5, the sexy one of the two, is a 1080p um, 120 hertz AMOLED. Is it AMOLED? Not sure. Uh, I'm not sure if it's AMOLED or not. Uh, it probably is, uh, but the the other specs are still really good. I here. know. it's Everything else is essentially the same other than the wireless charging uh, and, the, and as I said, the display, right? And yeah. 379. 379. And th so the main difference here though is going to be the downgrade in chipset it's one of you know the this first generation of devices coming out with the snapdragon 7 plus gen 2 chipset which so far performs incredibly well i love the snapdragon 7 series devices me too or these chipsets 
I, they're not going to give you the best performance possible uh, when gaming, uh, but their thermals are really good. And on top of that, battery life is superior than to the 8 series. So even sure. though this, this has a slightly smaller battery at just 5,000 milliamps, you know, there's maybe what, a 5%, not even a 5%, there's like a 3% uh, capacity difference between these two. But I'm expecting this phone to last a good three to four hours longer uh, with the battery between charges. Yeah, so I just checked. The, it is an AMOLED even on the uh, the Poco uh, F5. So it's just 1080p, but come on. Like, that's that's great. Um, let's move on to the uh, Techno really quickly. Um, this one is interesting to me for only one reason, and I, I got a review in it coming. There's two models, the Pro 5G and the Premier, which is also 5G. Uh, the Premier is obviously at the top of the range. The Pro is interesting. But the Premier particularly caught my eye because it has in-body stabilization like we saw on the Oppo Find X5 Pro and on some Vivo phones briefly, the X series. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was X80 or 70. And then um, like before... After they did the gimbal, but before the current set, that's just OIS. I don't know. Um, anyway, it's very rare. And this is a MEMS-powered uh, in-body stabilization, so it can do 5,000 time per second adjustments, which is kind of insane to me. That's the thing that stands out here. Uh, let me quickly go through the features on this. Okay, so it's um, both of them have a AMOLED ten, uh, 1080p, 120 hertz, um, MediaTek Dimensity 8050 chipset. So if you listen to Finbar earlier in the show talk about the 9200 plus, the Dimensity chip, the flagship one, we also mentioned that there is this renaming going on right now. The, the 7050 is the old 1080 chip. And I believe the 8050 is a renaming of the 1200 or the 1300. So they're the same, essentially the same chips, just renamed. So Dimensity 8050 on this Techno, 8 gigs of RAM, 50, 256 gigs of storage. In terms of cameras, 64 megapixel main with OIS, 2 megapixel macro and depth sensors, very nothing interesting there. 32 megapixel selfie, and you know you get a headphone jack, 5,000 milliamp hour battery, 33 watt charging. That's the Pro. The Premier has a fancier kind of body, like back, glass back or plastic back, I don't know what it is. But it has this in-body stabilization at 5,000 hertz, basically, which is kind of insane. And the rest is all the same. But it's a different main sensor because of that, 50 megapixels. And it adds a 108 megapixel ultra-wide, which is really interesting. Nobody's given us an ultra-wide that high-res before. Will it pay off? This is a techno phone, you know. I mean, the Hardware is usually pretty interesting, and the software is generally a little lacking. But imaging-wise, I find that both Techno and Infinix, which, by the way, seem to be very related in terms of companies, um, I haven't put it, the connection together, but there is some kind of, like, commonality here, like kind of like, you know, the BBK group stuff. Um, they are, camera performance has been okay to good, uh, definitely better than you'd expect for kind of a, a brand that focuses on you know, markets like Africa, et cetera. So I'm interested in this. I'm, fortunately, they didn't send me the premiere, so I'm getting like the, the chomp version. So I won't be able to try out this crazy in-body stabilization. Well, and just for reference, Techno and Infinix are related. They are both uh, sister brands under Transient. 
Okay, thank you for saving us on Along that. with, um, I want to say Intel, but it's not Intel. ITEL, I-T-E-L. ITEL, yeah, 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 right. All right, we got a couple of rapid fire kind of news leaks, rumor announcement I want to go through before we wrap up. First one is nothing phone two specs have leaked. Now, you know, take this with a grain of salt. This is, you know, in the rumor territory still. Um, but it's pretty much what you'd expect. But it looks like we might see three cameras in the back. And this is a bit disappointing for me because nothing has always been very pure about this, especially on phone one, where they're like, we're putting a main sensor and an ultra wide and no sticker cams, no BS. And there's a third camera here that does not look like it's a telephoto. So it might be a sticker cam and that kind of vexes me. Everything else about it is pretty much what I expect. A smaller phone, 6.55 inch AMOLED that indicates a slightly smaller body, same as the phone one. And honestly, everything else is, is tops. You get wireless charging, you know, everything else here is, is uh, checking all the boxes. Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1, as we were expecting. Um, but again, this is uh, rumored and we don't know too much. So this phone should be arriving soon, right, Nick? Yeah, we're hoping we're going to be getting an announcement sometime in the next month or two. I mean, if we look back at last year, uh, we were leading up at this point to the Nothing Phone 1 launch. So should be coming sometime soon. I mean, they, they, they've been teasing it since MWC. So yeah, uh, I, they can't well, tease it for this too long. Is tip, this is typical Nothing. Um, but look, I'm excited because we're getting this in the US and I really love the Phone 1 and I've really loved their earbuds, especially the the current year two which are really really nice i would say with the snapdragon 8 plus gen 1 and yes it's not you know the the gen 2 but this would be a very good competitor to the pixel 7 uh and especially if they can get it out for that price point if they go over you know the 600 650 price point they're competing with you know flagship devices from samsung and a couple others uh but I don't know, like I, it could be extremely interesting in the US market. I definitely think they can take on OnePlus. Um, yeah, with, oh, for sure. With the OnePlus 11. Yeah, and I think that, you know, if they can keep the price as impressive as I did with Phone 1, I, you know, I think this is going to be killer. The second bit of news is that the Huawei P60 Pro is now globally available in Europe in particular, and that's really just a PSA for those of you who are willing to sacrifice Google mobile services for what DxO Mark says is the best camera they've ever tested, even better than the Xiaomi 13 Ultra. Of course, DxO Mark, you know, I visit their labs, their methodologies are solid, but, you know, they do get paid by the companies to be able to use the score. So, you well, know. and just to be clear, the DxO Mark scoring is just for the main camera and Correct. not the entire camera system so take it for what you want just because one camera is good doesn't mean the rest of them are as well nick are you looking at the uh, gsm arena post right now I there's am. a photo that intrigues me here if you scroll down you see the phone laid out with the charger and a laptop and the cable mm -hmm. look at that charger do you see how it has dual usb a and c kind of close to each other you can only use one at a time but the cord that comes with the phone is USB-A. So this is like, I think the proprietary super high-speed charging works on the USB-A port only with that cable. And then you can probably use the C port to charge a laptop at PD65 or something like that. Very interesting design. I've never seen that before. Could be. I actually just, I forget where I saw something similar to that um, 
within the last week on another device. As you know, uh, this charging speeds and technology that all these Chinese phones are using is not their charging. It's a licensed charging yeah. spec, uh, and they all tweak it for their own thing. So I think this we could be seeing a lot of similar-looking chargers coming down the pipeline from, from Oppo, Realme, and others as well. Indeed. And then in addition, the Huawei Mate X3, the latest foldable that they launched at the same time in China as the P60 Pro, is coming to Europe as well. I'll leave uh, the article so you can see the pricing and the details. It's expensive in both cases, but you expect nothing else. And it's nice to see Huawei just persisting at making the best flagship they can, considering the situation they're in. I'm happy about this. I you know, don't think I could ever make this my main phone, but I know their imaging is solid and I'd be interested in trying it out. if any. Buddy at Huawei is listening. Send me a P60 Pro. I'll try it out. Well, that's the news. And that's all of this week. So lots of stuff. Nick, do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet, all your handles and all good stuff? Definitely. Uh, you can find my work and my team's work over on fandroid.com or else uh, youtube.com slash fandroid. And we are trying to grow our Instagram and TikTok accounts as well. Uh, we've got lots of shorts, unboxings, and camera test videos on those. Uh, Instagram and TikTok at uh, Fandroids with an S. That's right, folks. So please subscribe to the YouTube channel over there and check out Fandroids and Fandroid.com. <laughs> and uh, check out all the great tech content. You'll see a lot of the links on this week's uh, Notes are from Fandroid because they cover all the good stuff. So check it out. And uh, you know where to find me on the internet, folks. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character. Just drop all the vowels. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is where you want to catch up with me and Nick about this podcast. Comments, let us know what you think, etc., etc. And then, of course, Instagram is where I have pretty pictures of all the new Google stuff. And, of course, pictures of other phones, of cars, of travel, of food, all that good stuff. So if you want to see some photos, go to Instagram. The podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, everywhere good podcasts can be found. So please consider subscribing and uh, if your app lets you rate or review the show, consider doing that as well. There's a YouTube channel you should be checking out, youtube.com slash mobiletechpodcast. I've got the um, hands-on with the Pixel Fold there right now, so go check that out. You know how YouTube works, so like, subscribe, tell your friends, click the bell, and comment. Tell me in the comments what you think of that Pixel Fold. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And uh, of course, there's Patreon. For those of you who've been watching this video, you already know, but Nick was showing us all the phones. And uh, if you want to hear the podcast and see Nick and other guests show all the phones, you should join the Patreon video tier because that gets it to you two days before the audio version. So it's a nice little perk. So there's a bunch of other things you can get there at Patreon, including access to our Discord server. So check it out. And if you want to help me out, this is the way to do it. Patreon.com slash Tankerl. That's Patreon.com slash T-N-K-G-R-L. And I want to thank our sponsor, MediaTek, this week. MediaTek powers nearly 2 billion connected devices a year and is a market leader in developing innovative systems on a chip for mobile devices, home entertainment, connectivity, and IoT products. And I also want to thank Nick for being my guest yet again and hanging out with me at I.O. Thanks, Nick. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me on my show, and uh, thank you for being my chauffeur around San Francisco area. 
Yeah, that was fun. We had a Ford F-150 Lightning right now to play with, so we did all the driving with that. Folks, stay tuned. I'll have another show next week, obviously, and I'll have Nick at some point again in the future. Until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.